Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new and settling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. This post may contain triggers for survivors of abuse. Please listen with caution or opt not to listen at all. Thank you for allowing me to share my story with you all. I dated Todd, name changed to protect personal information, for three years during high school. He was a football player and I was captain of the cheerleading team. So on the surface, we were an absolutely perfect couple. However, he was exceptionally emotionally manipulative and by the time I was 17, that manipulation turned into emotional, physical, and even sexual abuse. When I finally shared what was going on with one of my close friends, I was able to figure out how to begin the separation from him and extricate myself from the relationship a week after we graduated high school in 2001. Todd was mortified. He told me that because we had been intimate, that he owned me. He told me no man would ever love me because I would be considered a whore. He told me that he would kill himself if I left him. I pressed on with the breakup and refused to look back. He stalked me for months afterwards. He would leave notes on my car, ranging from love professions all the way to threats. He would leave bouquets with my name on them around places I frequented. He found out what college I was attending in the fall semester and then applied. And he himself was admitted for the spring semester. I found this out and immediately transferred to a state university. It was a terrifying experience and I was constantly looking over my shoulder. I finally told my mom what had been happening and she was devastated. My dad was a cop his entire professional life and many times had witnessed what happens when obsession and stalking goes much too far. My mom told my father some of the details. She knew my father would probably beat Todd within an inch of his life if he had learned the full story. That said, mom didn't even know the whole story at that point herself. Dad had a talk with Todd. I don't know the details, but I no longer heard from him, and the fear and the pain of the experience faded as I moved on with my own life. Fast forward to 2014. At the time, I'd been married for three years and had an 18-month-old daughter. We were renting a home that was built at the turn of the 19th century in a quaint downtown area in a small town, far from where I went to high school, but still in the same state. At the time, my husband did not know about the abuse I suffered in high school because it felt like it was a lifetime ago. One night, I got a call from a phone number that I didn't recognize, so I let it go to voicemail. I should point out that I have had the same cell phone number since I got my first mobile back in 1997. I listened to the voicemail the next day, and it went something like this. Hi Rachel, it's Todd. I'm at the Burger King in the town that you currently live in, and I'm stranded. I was hoping you could give me a ride to the gas station so I can fuel my truck and we can have a chance to catch up. I thought to myself, that's weird. Who do I know named Todd? I work with many people and have many friends and acquaintances, and the only Todd I could think of was a friend of a friend that I know in town. 
I've only met him a handful of times, so I thought it was super weird that he would ask me for a ride. Ultimately, I forgot about it. A few days later, though, I get a call from another unknown number, and this time I answered it on accident. I meant to decline and instead accepted. So I was thinking, well, whatever. The conversation then went like this. Me. Hello? Hi, Rachel. How are you? Who is this? It's Todd. Todd who? Todd says his last name and follows it with the love of your life from high school. Uh, that's not funny. Who is this? It's me. I'm here to see you. If this is Todd, tell me something that only he would know. He proceeds to prove that it's him. Todd says, I need to see you. I miss you. I need you to pick me up. I'm borrowing someone's phone because I don't have one right now. I'm at the Burger King and I'm out of gas. I need you to come get me. I say, absolutely not. Call a cab. Todd says that he doesn't have any money and finishes it by saying, I need your help. I can't help you. And I quickly hang up. I called my husband into the kitchen after I hung up the phone and told him everything. I was shaken up. He closed and locked all of the windows in the house and double-checked all the locks on the doors. He held me close all night and our daughter slept in our room as well. Obviously, I didn't sleep a wink that night. I'm a university professor and so my personal details are not hard to find. I teach hospitality. The next day, I was teaching off-campus. Apparently, Todd had showed up to my office with an armful of dirty blankets to, quote, donate to Rachel for use in hospitality for the beds. He was disheveled and shaking and talking super fast. My secretary sent him away and called me immediately. I, in turn, called the campus police. A few hours later, I got a call that they found him sleeping in the hallway on the fourth floor of our library. When the female officer found him and asked what he was doing on campus, he said he was going through a divorce and was here to propose to Professor Rachel, my last name. With his right hand, he pulled out a diamond ring and then showed her his left hand. It was taped with medical tape into a contorted, extremely painful-looking position. She asked about his hand, and he replied, I want to prove to Rachel that I suffer for her. The officer told him that I was indeed married, and he explained that no marriage would ever count because in the eyes of God, I belonged to him. They didn't arrest him, but detained him for further questioning. The female officer told me everything, and I was sufficiently horrified. They told Todd that he was to leave campus and to not return. They gave him a $50 gas card and escorted him to his truck and off the property. I am friends with the officers, so they told me where he was parked, and so my husband and I left work to incognito watch him leave. My husband gasped when he saw the truck, because he said it had been parked on the street in front of our house for a week. I went to the county courthouse and filed a restraining order, and it was approved by the judge the next day. However, because he was apparently homeless, they couldn't find an address to serve him with the papers. I still have no idea if he was actually served. We have since moved and had another child, but I work in the same office. Sometimes, I have nightmares that he shows up when me and my babies are playing in the yard. 
I truly hope I never hear from Todd again, and that he, his rundown truck, and his medically contorted hand stay far, far away from me and my family. About four years ago, I went to work at a warehouse in the small town that I'm from. I decided to leave after my health began to deteriorate and I was diagnosed with panic disorder and severe anxiety after the situation that I'm about to tell you. This also changed the way that I developed friendships after that job. That's for certain. So I started this job on April Fool's Day of 2018 and I had no kind of high expectation for the job. All I wanted to do was my work, get paid, and go home as I had two children at home and many things that I could work on there. The job wasn't difficult, and it made pretty good money for all the duties considered, so I really couldn't complain. I worked second shift for about five months, and then I went to day shift. While working on the second shift, I kept to myself mostly, until one day, I met someone from one of the lines after we struck up a conversation about gaming. For the sake of anonymity, we'll name him J.F. Well, J.F. was a pretty good guy, and we had a lot of things in common. I went home that night, and he popped up as a suggested friend on Facebook. Kind of odd looking back. But I decided to add him. When I did, we started talking more at work, until he suggested that we should hang out. So we did. Pretty frequently, actually. We were friends for a month at this point, and one day he decided that he was going to introduce me to his girlfriend. She seemed decent at first, super nice, didn't seem to be a judgmental type, so I was cool with her. From then on, I would hang out with him when my kids were spending time with their grandmother. One time, we were talking at a restaurant, and he started to vent to me. Dude, she's such a bitch sometimes. The other day, I forgot to take the trash out, and she threatened to stab me if I didn't. I've never been in a relationship where someone's threatened me, but she's not so bad, man. She's got good intentions. When he said that to me, I was concerned, but of course we had only been friends for a month, so I thought maybe he was just morbidly joking, so I chuckled at him. But that's when he gave me a pretty serious look and said, I'm not joking, man. She really did that. That conversation right there concerned me. Fast forward about eight months, they're still together, and we all hang out pretty regularly, forgetting the things that he had told me back then. One day, we were all talking, and he seemed just a little off that day, so I asked him what was wrong in front of her. He flashed a smirk and said, nothing dude, I'm just a little tired. He didn't have his eyes on me though, he had them on her when I asked that. When we went to work the next day, I asked him the same question again. That's when he asked me, do you promise to keep this between us? Of course, I said. He said that he was breaking up with her and she went a little crazy. He said that she grabbed her gun and pointed it directly at him and said, if I can't have you, then no one will. He said that he defused the situation and is trying to look for a way out. Not really knowing what to say here, I just said, You'll figure it out, man. If you need somewhere to go, then you can come stay with me until you get her out of the house. Fast forward another year. He finally decided to leave her. When he did, she flipped out again. This time, he told her via text. 
She said that she was going to find him and kill him. And he was actually out of work that day with a vacation day. That's when he sent me a text that said, Hey, let me know if she comes to work looking for me. That there struck me as odd because I had no idea of the situation that was currently unfolding. She actually did come to our job and she asked me where he was. To which I replied, I have no idea. I thought he was with you and you guys went out of town or something. All she did at that point was roll up her window and drive off. I called him straight away and told him that she came by and he called the police about it. They found her up the road with a loaded gun in the car with her. Two months later, he decided to talk to her again and when he did, he had something to tell me. When he called me, he asked if I had seen her around and I hadn't. He said, dude, I would take some vacation days if I were you. Absolutely dumbfounded, I asked him why. He said, because she's out of jail and she and her cousins are in town and they're trying to find people that she has personal vendettas with. You're one of them. At that point, I was terrified. I grabbed my kids and we quickly left town. Took two weeks off of work. Come to find out, that next day, her and her cousins went to the next town over and shot three people in an apartment building and killed them all. I got the news about it the day after it happened. The reason why JF knew they were coming after me is because they made a Facebook messenger group that he was included on and they sent a list of names. I guess everyone thought it was spam and decided to disregard the messages, but he knew exactly what it was. Three of the names on that list were the people that they sought out and that they shot. The fourth name on that list was mine. After the news story came out, JF decided to go public about the group and the screenshots that he had, and all those involved were charged with first-degree murder. From then on, I was very careful about who I would stick my neck out for because even though JF knew the context of that list and her intentions, he decided to not inform anyone else on it. Needless to say, we aren't friends anymore, and I dodged a bullet, very much in the literal sense of things. Had I not learned what was coming my way, I undoubtedly would have shown up at work or come home one day and walked into the waiting arms of a very cold reception. That part, I have very little doubt about. This story goes back a few years now. I'm walking downtown in the middle of the afternoon when I become aware of a presence walking behind me. It's a busy city and a crowded street, so I don't think much of it. But this man stays right behind me for a few blocks. I can hear his breathing behind me, becoming ragged and coarse. It's getting heavier and heavier as he follows me. I don't want to turn around or make eye contact, but I can sense him following me. Then I hear him say it. Honey, if you don't slow down, I'll never catch up to you. I get terrified. I feel my blood run cold, and I whip around to confront him. He's big, at least a foot taller than me, and I can see on his chest one of those little sticky paper ID tags. It's from a mental hospital. A mental patient has been following me for blocks and is now trying to get me to slow down. I turn away and immediately cross the street not looking back. 
but he appeared to stop following me at that point. I'm still just as terrified by the incident, which is how I'm sure this post would have been written if I were the woman. But I'm not. I'm the guy. And this is the story about how I accidentally became someone else's let's not meet. I've been out of the office for over a week due to a nasty bout of bronchitis that utterly wiped me out. And my girlfriend, my poor loving partner who nursed me back to health, had now herself become stuck at home. And it was my first day back at work. I was just feeling bad for her, so I decided to try to do something nice for her. She's an avid player of Elder Scrolls Online, you see, which at the time of this story, just released a new expansion. And that expansion allowed for a new class, and she had put off getting the expansion in order to focus on picking up some of the slack from my illness. So I decide I'm going to go get it for her. I decide, on my lunch break, to hit the nearby GameStop and get her the digital code. So on my lunch, I head out. Now, here's the thing. The local GameStop and my office are on the opposite sides of a very large hill. Remember, also, I've been sick all week with bronchitis. Now, I get to the GameStop okay, buy the digital code, and text her a picture of it along with a message very jokingly telling her she needs to wait till I get home to play, because I'll never catch up otherwise. Then, I begin to head back towards the office. I start walking back up the hill, and this is where the heat and the humidity, and the fact that I'm walking uphill after, once again, having bronchitis, starts to take its toll. And I begin, I'm quite sure very audibly, breathing heavily. I also just happen to be walking the exact path of a woman who has ended up directly in front of me. And now I've been walking behind her for a couple of blocks. Now, two important things about me. First off, I'm a tech nerd. So I have the smartwatch, the Bluetooth earbud, whole nine yards. Second, I'm a big dude. In the 6'2", 240 pound range, former college athlete who still works out a lot. I'm a scary looking guy, but I'm a goddamn teddy bear who posts pictures of his cat on Reddit and wouldn't hurt a soul. But I am fully aware that in the wrong context, say, if you're a five foot woman and you think I'm following you, I'm fucking terrifying. So what's the tech nerd relevance here? Smartwatch, Bluetooth. Girlfriend calls me and I tap my watch to pick up the call without taking the phone out of my pocket which sinks to my Bluetooth earbud. My girlfriend hears the audible chime on her end, and knowing I've picked up, launches into how she couldn't wait and is already playing without me. And that's when I, quite jokingly, as I'm glad she's feeling up to it, tell her, honey, if you don't slow down, I'll never catch up. And the woman ahead of me freaks out. She whips around, and I immediately realize, holy sh**. She thinks I'm talking to her because I'm not holding a phone, and I've been following her the last two blocks, audibly wheezing. Then I realized something else. Remember how I said it was my first day back to work? I still wasn't 100%, and I left my work ID at home. I work in a very secure government building, the kind of building that doesn't just let you in. Even if all the security guards know your face because you've been there 10 years now, no ID, you still gotta go get a near-cavity search-level screen and wait for HR to verify that yes, you still work there and no, you're not a disgruntled ex-employee looking to steal confidential files or something like that. But once you've had your morning colonoscopy, 
they do give you one of those little visitor badges so you can come and go in the building throughout the day without having to have your pride and personal boundaries violated every time you walk through the door. And this little sticky badge that I still had stuck to my chest bears the name of the government agency for which I work. What agency is that? The Department of Mental Health. Because I, despite looking like someone who may have at one point in his life had a nickname like Moose, which has on occasion, I think, led to some initially getting the impression I might be a tad slow on the uptake, am actually the regional legal director and deputy chief counsel for the state office of Health and Human Services. Her eyes move to the badge. She stays motionless for just a moment, then turns and quickly hustles down a side street. It was at that moment I say to my girlfriend, I think some lady just thought I was trying to kidnap her. So here's to you, downtown lady, who I'm pretty sure thought I was some heavy-breathing pervert mental patient instead of a government bureaucrat who was just trying to do something nice for his girlfriend on his lunch break while vastly overestimating his own physical well-being. Let's not meet again. I'm afraid that your heart just won't be able to take it. Also, I'm really sorry. <laughs>